They don't call me E-Money for nothing. Today is Tuesday, July 26, 2022. Time for episode 176 of the Barnhart Podcast. It's been about six weeks since we've done this, and uh, it's being a little bit rusty and out, out of uh, the habit of podcasting, I figured let's bring in uh, the, the MazaCast crew. So joining us on the episode today, obviously Anne, because it's her podcast, and we're also joined by Non-Venny Mark and Dr. Mazza. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, guys. Blessed Feast of St. Anne. Ah, hooray. It's my name day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Saint Anne, pray for us. Thank you. Thank you. Boys, n- nothing to talk about, fellas, huh? Not at all. Nothing nothing going on with the with the anti-papacy or anything like that. Goodness gracious. We're just gonna sit here in silence and stare aw- awkwardly at the walls, aren't we? And smoke a peace pipe together. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> There's just not enough idol worshiping in this faux papacy, is there? No, no, no. Got it. Got to take that to eleven. So the the backdrop, I guess, of where we wanted to start this off today is the well. I guess the backdrop would be the continual near daily articles and essays being released, primarily by One Peter Five, uh, each of which seems to have the aim of tearing down the papacy. That the yeah. papacy can't possibly be what we always thought it was, and how um, non-infallible teachings of the Pope are—we can just ignore those. Uh, it's no big deal, and uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really something to see. And then what we had what we had come out here just recently was uh, Bergoglio's vision, if he should ever decide to retire what that would look like. And basically what he said was, well, I'll really retire. I'll go live at the Lateran, maybe hear confessions, but be retired. And that so is so obviously in opposition to what Pope Benedict did that people are writing about this saying, oh, well, look how different being really retired would be, would look. Mm-hmm. So, um, People just casually talking about this now. And I posted in full the National Catholic Register and registers the good one. National Catholic Reporters, the bad one, registers the the quote unquote good one, you know, um, by that Italian Vaticanista. I can't remember his name. I get them all confused. Gagliarducci or something like that. Um, but just just casually saying, oh, yeah, Pope Benedict didn't resign. By the way, here's the here's the um, always and forever paragraph from the um, February 27th, 2016 final audience and say, look, 2013, he said, 2013, 2013. And he, he says right there, um, yeah, I'm I'm only resigning the active governance of the church. People are like mainstream people. It's gotten to the point where that can't be ignored any longer and so it seems to me is what these main these normies are doing is now they're just totally embracing it and saying well i I guess that's cool then you know whatever he wants whatever he wants to do um 
you know, canon law, schmanon law. Oh, you know, everybody knows knows what he meant. It, it, all this business of 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 thinking that the canon law means anything. And the thing that blows my mind about that is, I mean, there's a lot of trads that make that argument too. That say, look, we all know what he meant. We all know what he meant. He he, he resigned. We know what he meant. Today, it's blowing off Canon 188 and Canon 332.2. Tomorrow, it's blowing off the words of consecration of the Eucharist at the Mass. Mm. And that's just, that's just a fact. If we're, if we're now going to start making the argument that, well, you know what he meant, and therefore it's okay, then that argument is going to be applied to a priest standing at a, at a picnic table, holding, holding a host and saying, this represents the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, 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 well, we know what he meant. We know what he meant. It's fine. It's valid. It's good. No. Well, the other astonishing thing about the register article was that the way that it was written in terms of, well, Benedict believes that once Pope, always mm -hmm. Pope, mm -hmm. and just lays that out matter-of-factly as if, so to put in, in today's societal terms, it's your truth. Yeah. If it's your truth, then it's your truth. As you if, do you, yeah. Is it mm -hmm. right? As if what's in Benedict's mind, or that Benedict's mind itself is the arbiter of truth. Of reality itself. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Matzo, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Did somebody say crazy? <laughs> I'm matzo, not patza. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The $6 well, no. million dollar matzo, yeah. <laughs> That's right. We can make him better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's several interesting things that you guys are bringing up here with the article uh, in the register. Um, one of the most interesting ones is that they do just flagrantly admit that um, Benedict still thinks he's Pope in some sense. And they oh, just, yeah. just <laughs> and yeah, they just totally it's a totally cash you know totally cash yeah. <laughs> but that's um, actually such an important point too sorry dr matza but the no, please the, i keep coming back to this which is that the the bar is so low in terms of the burden of proof on uh benedict remaining papal because if he believes that he's in any way something papal then he has not fully resigned. And if he hasn't here, here. fully resigned, he hasn't resigned any of it. Here, here. Yep. Yes. Uh, that's, that's common sense. <laughs> it's uh, sorely lacking in the world today. Uh, um, I, I have some, some good news. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be having a uh, peer-reviewed article coming out in September by an academic journal and all about this question. What did Ratzinger resign? And um, what does Pope Emeritus mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so this, for the first time, this is not a blog post. This is not, uh, you know, Catholic, Trad Inc. Uh, podcasts. This is this is going to be an actual peer-reviewed, uh, respectable journal publication, so to speak. Academia. <laughs> I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> present, present company excluded. Aww, <laughs> you saved it. You saved it. You got to understand I'm in grief right now. We lost Paul Savino. We lost Tony Sirico. And we lost James Kahn. People can't see. I got three armband, black armbands on my arm right now. 
The boys, they're weeping like babies over here. Over here. <laughs> well, um, you will be joining with multiple Italian candidates who were jumping up and down within days and one of them within hours of Benedict announcing his, uh, his putative maneuver on February 11th, 2013, um, saying that Pope Emeritus is, is an impossibility. This is a fiction. This isn't right. This doesn't fly. And of course, the, the infiltrators who had wanted this, it was just conclave, 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 go, 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 go. We got to do this. We got to get going. They, they just pushed everybody into it so that nobody had any time to just sit and ask any questions about what in the world is going on here? What does this mean? What are you going to do? What is the plan? And, you know, a lot of people bring up the point, um, and I can see why they bring it up, that if Pope Benedict had done exactly what he had done and just gone to Bavaria and worn a black cassock and called himself Cardinal Ratzinger or, or whatever, that people wouldn't be people wouldn't be jumping up and down. And my response to that is, is that first, it's all in the divine providence, you know, um, that the church is visible and visible at her head. And so even if if Pope Benedict Ratzinger is doing very odd, strange, weird things. Um, it's the divine providence that is seen to it that in this whole absolute mess that the the problem the problematic nature of this situation has always been front and center. It's always been completely visible. And people have been calling him out on this since even before the 28th of February 2013. People were saying, no, you you can't do this. He then he then confirms on the final audience on the 27th of February 2013, states explicitly, I am resigning the the ministry of the active governance of the church. I am remaining in the enclosure of St. Peter and my, my papal name as Benedict, which um, will inform me whether I am active or passive. And I mean, it's, it's all right there. The whole thing has been visible all along and it's the divine providence that's doing this. Where's your faith people? I mean, seriously, where's your faith? The church is visible, and she is visible at her earthly head, by definition. And this is an argument also against, uh, sadly, all the people who are falling into sativacantism because of this. And people are just, people are peeling off, peeling off, peeling off, as nobody will stand up and say anything. I, I shouldn't say nobody will stand up and say anything. Nobody with any uh, ecclesiastical authority will stand up and say anything about this with the exception of dear Bishop Grisita, who is literally 99 years old. So, I mean, it's, it's all, it's all about the visibility. And again, over and over again, the question is, where is your faith? Where is your faith? That, that question could be asked to Pope Benedict himself. Where is your faith? You are the absolute monarch of the church. You are the vicar of Christ on earth. You are the successor of Peter. This whole notion that you can't do anything and you're completely helpless and you have to run away and quit, 
This is, where is your faith? Where's the faith of the, you know, the one Peter five? And sadly, even though the original owner has taken his atheistic poison and gone away, I mean, he's gone away from one Peter five, he's now just trolling on social media and becoming like the, the poster boy of ex-Catholic atheists. It's, it's incredibly sad, but you saw it coming. And those of us who saw all of that mess behind the scenes years and years ago, folks don't think that any of that without origin, that guy who originally owned one Peter five, don't think for a second that any of this atheism and deism and God's a jerk and all of this, don't think that any of this is new for him. This has been going on behind closed doors for years. Okay, that this d just didn't crop up. This is he's just he's just come out. And I think he thinks that he can eventually make more money as an ex Catholic atheist pundit than he did as a um, as you know, a, a trad Inc pundit, and he's probably right. Um, so this whole business of tearing it all down and we, we know better than 2000 years of history and we, the the entire church has been wrong about the papacy the papacy's all wrong the papacy's a disaster and it always has been you look at these people they're now t they're now going after the council of trent they're going at they're going all the way back they're saying well it looks like probably the eastern orthodox were right so now people are either going sedvacantist or they're going eastern orthodox and then some of them are are going all the way back and saying you know this these psycho spiritual cripples who are now arguing that the, the church is so fundamentally messed up that unless you go live in a cave in the in Syria somewhere, you aren't even Christian. You don't even understand any of this. The hubris and the lack of faith on display is just stunning. The other quick point I want to bring up when you're looking at these people and you're assessing what's going on here, question number one you need to be asking of anyone who's saying this stuff is, does this person go to mass? And the shocking truth is that a lot of them don't and haven't been for a long time. Um, there are people who um, refuse to go to masses because um, Bergoglio is, or Francis is named at the Teigeter of the canon. Well, I refuse to go to mass then. Well, you have just, you have just cut, severed your cord to the sacraments and to grace and, to, and presumably to confession. Um, that's incredibly bad. Then you have these other people. I mean, the guy who used to own one Peter five hadn't darkened the door of a church in years. Um, the woman that, that he's, that was basically his puppet mistress. She rarely, if ever went to mass, you need to start asking questions about, are these people going to mass? Are they engaged in the sacramental life? Are they confessed? Are they staying confessed? do they manifest any any evidence that they have any supernatural faith and a lot of them don't so you know just be be careful with all of that and and keep an eye peeled okay i'll dismount you guys pick just it up. to sum up that last point i'd say that um if you're consuming information uh podcasts blogs essays on websites anything like that where you're not reasonably sure if not in moral certainty that the person you're receiving it from is in the state of grace you you're on dangerous ground yeah yeah it's uh it's tricky and well 
judging and all of this. But I mean, seriously, if, if the person is railing against going to mass, is railing against the rosary, um, that's another thing that the the trad ink people the guy who used to own one peter five and the and the puppet mistress of his they openly rail rail against the rosary hello i mean what what more of a red flag can you possibly mm -hmm. have than that mm -hmm. seriously publicly saying these things um it's yeah you're you're walking that line of judge not lest you be judged and all that but no we we have to use our brains and we have to you know discern these things in fact saint paul says the spiritual man judges all things and uh you can't just you can't just say fiddle dd this isn't my problem this is this is above my pay grade dr matzo what's our canon that says that the faithful have the right and the obligation to know the truth about all things concerning the church which one is that seven something yes let's see if i can put my finger at 748 sounds i want right. to say 748 yeah. uh 748 all persons are bound to seek the truth in those things which regard God and his church and by virtue of divine law okay are mm -hmm. bound by the obligation mm -hmm. of embracing and observing the truth which they have come to know yeah the 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 whole argument that oh i'm just going to sit this one out this is above my pay grade that that canon 748 just shoots that down and it's referencing divine law yeah divine that's the kicker law. that's the yeah. kicker right there it's not ecclesiastical law it's divine law it's divine law if you love if you love somebody you want to know who they are what's going on with them what the truth about them is you don't just say oh fiddly d i'm just i'm gonna kick the can down the road and let future generations um attack this and that's the other that's the other thing that the poison that started over at one peter five years ago it was that that mantra the pope is the pope until the pope says that the pope isn't the pope meaning that this can only anti-papacies can only be identified adjudicated rectified ex post facto where these people are getting this, I have no idea, because almost every anti-papacy was resolved within the lifetime of the anti-pope himself, meaning it got fixed and he got deposed. There's only one, the Anacletus II, that is, that Anacletus II is one of the only examples of an anti-pope dying, dying peacefully in office. That's one of the only ones, and so I mean. Don't be hating it, on Anacletus the uh, second. I know we're we're on opposite <laughs> sides of. Uh, but even we're in sitting that on case. opposite sides of the gymnasium <laughs> on the on the Anacletus the second. <laughs> but no, but even on that though, you're we're both right in the sense that Saint Bernard didn't just sit on his hands and say, "Well, this will get settled by a future council." Exactly. No, he actively went to the King of France to to Cluny to the Cistercians, mm -hmm. to the King of England, and to the Holy Roman Emperor. And he didn't quit until until he had gotten everybody in Europe, except the folks in Rome, to to uh, uh, declare that uh, Anacletus II was an but anti then, But then at the end, he went down to Rome, and he started going around and schmoozing everybody. Not schmoozing, but he, he started going around and talking to everybody in Rome. And so that's why when Anacletus II died, 
like, you know, immediately Victor the Fourth Conti was elected. And then the, and then two days after he was elected, Victor the Fourth Conti went to the Lateran and submitted to Anacletus the Second because Bernard of Clairvaux was down there. Innocent the Innocent Second. Innocent the Second. Uh, yeah, correct, correct. Anacletus was the one who died, so it submitted to Innocent the Second. And because Bernard of Clairvaux was down there working, you know, he was. He, he made an just offer he don't refuse. <laughs> well, it's the history in the church says that it it got straightened out, and it clearly did. It clearly did. So I mean, well, the good news is, uh, just to wrap up on the one Peter five front, uh, it seems like I don't know how long ago, but. Um, a few years ago, the, this topic was not even permitted to be discussed. Correct. So think about how far we've come from just a few years ago where they literally had people scrubbing their comm box. Yeah. And any mention of Benedict maybe being Pope was immediately scrubbed out so that no one could read it. I mean that's that's pretty amazing when you and think the, of it. And, and then where they we are would now. claim, and then they would claim that nobody holds that position. They were aggressively. Right. In fact, that was the downfall of one Peter five. The guy who first owned it and started it completely self sabotaged and destroyed the whole website because he banhambered most of his audience. All that was left at the end were a handful of sycophants, you know, and just the whole thing went went to hell in a handbasket. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're if you're creating an echo chamber, and you're censoring everybody who's jumping up and down, screaming with their hair on fire, saying, "Hey, we need to talk about this," and then you're you're censoring all of them, and then claiming nobody's taught, nobody's saying this. Well, that's that's fundamentally dishonest. It's obviously dishonest, and eventually, I mean, he it it came back around and it got him. I I I pity the who who is it that bought it like crisis magazine or something what they what they essentially did was they bought the donation list they bought the donor mm. list of one peter five and i shudder to think what the people at crisis magazine were were duped into paying for that i mean mm. it's just well and they are still i mean i was a donor years and years ago i was on you know a conversational basis with with uh, the founder years mm -hmm. and years ago. And, you know, once you're on that list, baby, you never, Oh yeah. yeah, you never, yeah. You, so, I mean, it's weekly, if not twice a week emails at this Still? point, they, they just go to my spam, but Oh yeah. Oh, they've increased. Oh, it's, it's, grief. it's Tim Flanders 24 seven. Can't you help us make up our 90% funding uh, deficit. Oh, absolutely. My goodness. Oh, well, hey, well, don't be don't be hating on Flanders. Uh, he did publish you. He did publish <laughs> he, you. Yeah. <laughs> He's published actually right like, a few days ago. He published me uh, on a different topic. But oh, that's um, right. That's right. And he's he's always he's had me on his show a bunch of times. Um, so uh, what was the other thing I was going to add here? Um, yeah. Before we leave the register article. I just yeah. wanted to throw th another tidbit out there. So in the article, the, the Vaticanista, uh, with the unpronounceable last, Ital last Italian name there, um, he brings up that Francis would like to become a Pope Emeritus, but that he has a different idea of what a Pope Emeritus is than Joseph Ratzinger, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what I found in the research I was doing for this uh, journal article is that 
back, I don't know if you guys remember this quote, but back in 2015, which is you know, pretty early on, uh, Bergoglio comes out and says the following, for some theologians, the papacy is a sacrament. The Germans are very creative in all these things. I do not think so, but I want to say that it is something special, unquote. Uh, hmm. So here you have the, the putative pope acknowledging what's in the uh, Miller dissertation, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that the of Germans course. are very creative and that some <laughs> of these theologians think that the papacy is a sacrament, a.k.a. you know, Rahner and Ratzinger. Mm -hmm. And so um, that means that once you become pope, you're pope for life because you have an indelible character in some sense on your soul. So hello uh this is papa bergoglio saying this not dr Matza. Mm -hmm. yeah yep essentially admitting admitting to the whole thing um in a in a ever so slightly roundabout way but most people at this point are just so i don't know just glazed over and the thing that gets me is that the intellectual the lack of intellectual curiosity about the whole thing D doesn't this strike anybody that nobody's that nobody's asked any questions about any of this that it's just all been taken for granted since day one um and the other thing we were kind of talking about this in the warm-up the other thing i'm noticing is when you talk to these people these you know kind of normies these francis's pope even traditional francis's pope normies and they it's like you read the um, the February 27, 2013, the always is also a forever paragraph to them. And every time you read it to them, they're shocked by it. And it's like they're hearing it for the first time. But then they just, I, I guess they just go into denial and immediately forget about it. They have this this memory loss when it comes to it. I've experienced well, it's, this it's with confirmation numerous bias. people. It's confirmation bias, yeah. It's... I don't know. It's weird when you, I feel like I feel bad on my blog that I keep posting things like that over and over and over. And I feel like, goodness, my, my audience must be getting bored with this. There's a reason why I'm doing it. I have conversations with people. I had, I had a conversation with one person one time years ago who literally was the translator into a language of, into one of the languages of that, uh, that speech. And they, they had no recollection of any of it. They didn't remember anything about the always is always the always and forever paragraph. I mean, it's weird. They just they don't want to think about it. They just don't want to think about it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to rock the boat. And I, I don't get why, because, you know, the the cognitive dissonance at this point, isn't it just eating you alive? And I guess that's why we're seeing um, not so much professionals. I mean, the one Peter Five guy, he he's different because he was an athe he was a he was an agnostic slash deist before. So it it really doesn't even count as him falling away. I'm thinking about you know other people who are who are going full set of a cantist who are I mean people who are going set of a cantist and refuse to go to the SSPX those kinds of set of a cantist and people going Eastern Orthodox and so on and so forth and some people just completely checking out and losing their faith altogether and saying the church is a joke and always has been um but the people who are who are hanging on and are, and are normies in that sense 
Um, I don't get the just living with the cognitive dissonance, reporting and seeing day after day after day that Bergoglio clearly isn't Catholic. He's clearly an idolater. He's, he's engaging in demon worship. He's clearly um, 100% on board with the agenda of the Luciferian Freemasonic New World Order, obviously, obviously. And I, they just it's just fiddle dee dee scarlet o'hara i'll think about it tomorrow i guess and have, have you guys uh uh i think i told you that uh kwasniewski's new book the, the road from hyper papalism to catholicism oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, to, to touch on something you guys were talking a few minutes earlier um he's actually got a mention of me and sochi in the preface i could read it if you guys think that's worthwhile Sure, if you think so, sure. Uh, It seems appropriate to add here a few words about Benedict XVI's abdication, a topic that quickly arises in discussions of this sort. And then Kwasniewski says, "Uh, I have studied the work of Antonio Sochi and Edmund Mazza. You know, that old Italian vaudeville routine, right? Sochi and Mazza. Sochi and Mazza, Um, yeah. And while I find their research intriguing and disturbing in its exposure of rampant theological confusion, none of their arguments has led me to have moral certainty that Benedict XVI did not successfully abdicate or intend to abdicate, and that Francis, accordingly, is not and never has been the Pope. Hmm. And that's um, that's a falsehood. That's a moreover, moreover, I do not believe that the ordinary faithful are competent to adjudicate when God has stripped a pope of this papal office owing to formal heresy. Surely there must be some ecclesiastical process by which stubborn adherence to a particular error or errors after repeated admonitions may be ascertained and declared. That part's true only because he used the word adjudicate, and obviously the laity don't have the jurisdiction to adjudicate, but the essence of what he said in that second part is false. Mm -hmm. Because God has never, ever, in all of salvation history, ever used humble lay people um, for anything, ever. No, 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 no. Of course not. Of course not. It's just amazing. The uh, it's hubris, and it's a shame because I'll say I, I always say this. Peter is one of the nicest guys in the world, but the dripping hubris, and we do have to say it. But um, what what Peter said there? Sh- shall I read Peter's original review of the Sochi book? Sh- if, shall I if, do it? If you've got it up, I mean that's what we're I've talking got about here, folks. Is that when he originally read and reviewed? Sochi's book, he said that Sochi convinced him that Benedict was still Pope. Here we go. Uh, Dr. Kwasniewski's Amazon.com review in full. Five out of five stars. Headline, ever been troubled by what looks like two popes at the Vatican? 
I read this book expecting to be a little skeptical of an author who would argue that Benedict XVI did not validly resign the papacy. After all, it sure looked as if he intended to do that in his famous speech of abdication, and the world seems to have accepted it as such. Sochi, however, persuaded me otherwise. With his careful analysis of Benedict XVI's various utterances on the subject, and there are a surprising number of them, exclamation point, Archbishop Ganswine's speeches, and above all, the interpretations of canon lawyers, none of them traditionalists, by the way, who have proved in detail that the resignation lacks several conditions for validity. I'm going to go back and I'm going to repeat that, that sentence one more time. None of them traditionalists, by the way, who have proved in detail that the resignation lacks several conditions for validity. Peter, somebody send this to Peter. Peter, you wrote that. You know you wrote it and you meant it when you wrote it and you know what the words meant when you wrote the words. Don't claim, don't claim that you didn't understand the English language when you wrote, when you wrote this, Peter, and you wrote it. We've got the screen caps. We've got everything. I emailed you, Peter, and I asked you, is this you? Did you put this up? And you replied back and said, yes, absolutely. And then, and then when you started getting bullied by people, you started changing it. And most people stopped counting your edits of this, of this review at eight, Peter. People stopped counting after the eighth time you edited this until you had turned it all the way around. Let me go on. The argument is not based on the St. Gallen Mafia, but on the inherent actions and statements of Benedict XVI and others, all publicly available. In other words, this is no conspiracy theory, but a soberly argued case. Even those who think they have a watertight case in favor of validity should, out of intellectual honesty, grapple with what Sochi presents here. If they can defeat his arguments, all the better for the defense of truth. If they cannot or will not, however, this would seem to indicate a moral or mental weakness. <sighs> Come on. Come on. And, you know, it's interesting, but what he what he points out, what Peter originally pointed out is actually a very, very good point. All of this information, all of these statements, all of this backgrounder and all of this canon law is all publicly available. Guys, this is not a secret code. You don't have to, you know, be in some you don't have to have a secret decoder ring or anything like that. The notion that there would be any sort of a secret code having to do with this is the heresy of Gnosticism, that mm -hmm. only a certain elite few people can actually and do actually know the truth about what is going on with God and his holy church. No, 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 no. This is a rank heresy. And I would also encourage anyone who might be getting sucked into a vortex of any such nonsense about secret codes or anything, again, ask yourself, look at the people involved and just ask yourself the very simple question, do these people go to mass? Uh, I don't think you're going to like the answer that comes back on that one. It's, uh, it's, it's a train wreck. So steer far away from that. The fact of the matter is the word code is playing off like the Da Vinci Code and, and all that Dan Brown garbage. Remember those books, uh, Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons and all that nonsense? 
see that sells that's sexy and it sells and so people are trying to jump on that with this with this pope benedict situation and trying to turn this into some sort of a money-making deal by putting the word code out there and people people will will jump on that they'll they'll jump on that but it's it's absolute nonsense it's nonsense it's obvious you look at Ratzinger all the way back into the 60s. You look at what they were all talking about. It's all openly published. They've all been talking about how they want to one degree or another to demythologize the papacy. And that has been that's been the German project. And they they believe that the monarchical character of the papacy is quote unquote no longer valid in the modern world. And so it's the onus is on them to fundamentally transform the papacy that's from the ganswine speech fundamentally transform the papacy into a collegial synodal shared office that's what this project is about they've been talking about it the uh, horrible sodomite um vaticanista bobby mickens he wrote he wrote a piece that said this is explicitly what the agenda is we this resignation nonsense this is what we want and he's he's when he says we he's talking about the bad guys the very 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 worst of the bad guys this is what we want we've got to do away with the papacy etc cetera, etc cetera. also look at bergoglio's words bergoglio gushing about oh how wonderful this is and Pope should, Pope should resign. I don't know if I will or not, but I think this is great. And resignation this, resignation that. Judge people by who their friends are. If Bergoglio says that this is a good thing, you need to just operate off the assumption instantly that it is not. Because Bergoglio was probably the false prophet forerunner of the Antichrist. So if he says it's good, that it's clearly not. And we're all living through the horror of the proof of that right now. Popes do not resign. It's, it's an elected monarchy for life. And, you know, men get old and men die. And men have been getting old and dying while holding the office of the papacy for 2,000 years. You know what? The world held it together. The church held it together. And maybe that speaks to the fact that the Pope doesn't need to be on television all day, every day, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that, and that's a whole nother conversation. Well, not to put too fine a point on it, but Popes can resign. It's, yeah. it's ontologically possible. It's mm -hmm. probably not a good idea, but no. it can be done. In yes. this case, it wasn't done. And I, what I also find fascinating is that now what we have is with this, you know, they're getting Bergoglio to talk about retirement and what it might look like for him and how different that is from what we have with Benedict. God's providence is actually using Bergoglio to highlight what's going on here. Yeah. And how clearly Benedict doesn't see himself as retired. Yeah. Yeah. If, if Bergoglio is saying, I'm going to do it in a completely different way than what Ratzinger has done, th that is by mathematical definition saying that it, it's two it's two different things. I mean, right. it's it's just it's just logic. It, something cannot both be exactly the same and totally different at the same time. And, and what I've wanted to do for some time now, and I haven't had time to do it, I want to go back. Uh, Dr. Briggs just put out a very nice timeline recap 
of the COVID scam and sort of a week by week, you know, how we got here and, you know, all the way back to February or March of, of 2020. I want to do that with February of 2013. Yeah. Because after Benedict read out the Declaratio, which hinted at, I mean, there are obviously parts of the Declaratio that are problematic, uh, not just the, not just failing to use the proper form mm-hmm. of resignation, but other mistakes in the Latin as well. But um, even using the word renounce instead of using the word resign to me is somewhat problematic. Um, you can renounce the doing of something without renouncing the being of something, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also nowhere in the Declaratio is any of what transpired over the next several weeks leading up to the 28th of February, where he was asked on different occasions, well, what are you going to do? Are you going back to Bavaria? Are you going to stay in Rome as a cardinal? And what's, what's the answer to that? Oh, no, I'm, I'm, staying, I'm, I'm staying in the Vatican. I'm going to wear white. I'm going to be addressed as His Holiness. I'm His going to have Pope in po- my title. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> So That's these things, oh, um, your fisherman's Emiratus. ring. Emir- Emiratus. Emiratus, yeah. right. Your, your fisherman's ring, is that, is that, will that be a televised event when, when, when you smash the fisherman's ring? Oh, no, I'm keeping that. You know, so th- these things came I'll ju- out. I'll just deface it. I'll just deface right. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because defacing it symbolizes giving up the active governance. The ring is, is a sign of governance and jurisdiction. Ugh. Yep. Uh, well, so, Dr. Matsugo. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd like to take this opportunity to mention that uh, I am trying busily with my little fingers to finish a book. <laughs> uh, mm. That is to say, book on this subject. Um, I can give a teaser title. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be called The Pope and the Prayer of Christ, referring to, I think it's Luke chapter 22, where our Lord says to Peter, Satan hath desired to sift thee mm-hmm. as wheat, but I have prayed for you. And mm-hmm. the you there is you plural. Mm-hmm. Re- referring mm-hmm. to not only Peter, but Peter in his successors. Um, Luke and, wow, it's, it's almost like modern English isn't a sufficient language to be doing biblical exegesis. <laughs> <laughs> Protestants. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to so, hear that um, one at, at Wednesday night Bible study at the at the Pentecostal church, are you? You mean the the apostles didn't use the King James Bible? No, yeah, I mean oh. it's it's hard it's hard to believe, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, one way or another, it's going to be coming out this fall. Uh, either I'm going to find a publisher, or I'm going to have to self-publish it. But um, look for that coming up. Awesome. Uh, and also, when, while I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, so the I, I've decided on the Maza full courses. Ah. Um, uh, and I have decided that uh, we're gonna because we finished the world history cycle, we finished the church history cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> in about two months from now, we're going to be doing the history of the papacy, Pope Pope history. Ooh. Um, so. Uh, the uh, information is uh, beginning to go up on my website, so go to edmundmaza.com, and uh, we got some early bird specials going on there. Sign up for Pope History, or 
you could sign up for that and sign up for the other course, which is, drum roll please, um, <laughs> Spiritual Warfare, Good versus Evil. Ooh. Resist the dark side. Timely, timely. You need theme music. You need the, the Imperial March. I really am going through Mazo Withdraw. I don't know when the the uh, the fall classes ended, but I was just thinking about this the other day. It's it's time. Well, I'm, I've, I'm going to provide people their fix. Uh, I believe the the Pope History class starts on the 27th of September, and the the yeah, good versus evil class starts on the 28th, Wednesday, the 28th of September. So, okay. um, end of September. Good. It's going to be a long, hot summer. <laughs> <laughs> it already is. It already is. Just to, uh, to clarify one, one point there in terms of the Protestants in Luke 22, 32, um, the Protestants bring up the fact that, well, our Lord said that, but it didn't mean Peter was really the Pope because then immediately literally in the same chapter is when you have Peter's thrice denial. Mm -hmm. So Christ said his faith wouldn't fail. And then immediately in the following verses, Peter's faith fails. So what does that mean? Well, the point is he wasn't Pope yet. He was designated Pope in that mm -hmm. moment, but he wasn't Pope yet. He didn't actually, uh, Catholic scholars differ, um, and it's more of a nuance, but uh, that he was actually became Pope, but not the Vicar of Christ at the Feed My Lambs verse in John 21, 15, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but think about it. He couldn't really be the Vicar of Christ while, and until after the Ascension and until Pentecost. We traditionally believe that Pentecost is actually the birthday of the Church. The birthday well, that of would the also, church, also yeah. be the birthday of the papacy, right? Yeah, and, and Peter... Scripture makes it clear that Peter was was transformed in his person by Pentecost because he went from being kind of a a bumbling, not very good speaker to being this just amazing preacher who's converting right. people by the thousands at a time. Um, well, just compare the Peter of the Gospels to the Peter of Acts. Yes, exactly. It's, it's exactly. like two different people. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And it is that transformation. So, I mean, it stands to reason that our Lord says, "I have prayed for you that your faith will that your faith will not fail." That the the coming of the Holy Ghost is is absolutely essential in that dynamic. You know, so I don't think that we we should be making proof texts about the papacy based upon what Peter did or did not do before Pentecost. It seems to me. Uh, so just circling back to the set of a contest position and the uh, contrasting it with the Francis is definitely Pope and we can't talk about it position, uh, it just strikes me that at this point, with Francis behaving and doing the things that he's done and that so obviously by any previous definition can't possibly be Mm -hmm. the vicar of Christ. I'm afraid that the burden of proof, if it were between a Francis is definitely Pope person and a SETI, the burden of proof, I'm afraid, would would rest with the Francis's Pope people. I agree. I agree. That's how bad this is. Yeah. 
And, and, that's, and, and that's not us saying that. That, we're, that we're leaning towards sedvacantism at all. We're just saying that the situation with Bergoglio is so is so bad. extreme, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And it's, it's we have to make, there's all, all of these balances. And I, I don't want to be accused of being an, an Egalian and trying to say, well, you know, the answer's in the middle. No, the answer is the truth. The answer is the truth. I'm not trying to find a happy middle here. All I'm trying to do is find the truth. But I mean, you've got on one side, you've got people going sedvacantus in Eastern Orthodox. It's actually, there's, this is a triangle. There's people going sede, there's people going Eastern Orthodox, there's people who are saying Francis is definitely Pope, shut up, stupid. Then there's people who are saying that this is all, you know, this this master um, uh, plan by Pope Benedict Ratzinger, who is the greatest churchman in the 2000 year history of the church for this great secret maneuver that he's pulled off. This is dangerous, too, because it's it's false, first of all. We have to have an honest discussion and an honest assessment of Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, and what he has done. And it does not help anybody. In fact, it's going to scandalize people to build Joseph Ratzinger up into something that he is not. Um, he, he is going to appear before our Lord and be judged and be judged as as having been the, the vicar of Christ on earth. Can you imagine? I mean, it's it's terrifying to think about. It's it's terrifying. Can you imagine being elected pope and sitting there and realizing that if I say yes and I accept this, that I will I will stand before Christ at my particular judgment and be judged as having been his vicar on earth and how how I handled that and how I executed that. Look at the mess that Pope Benedict has made. This isn't cool and awesome and oh look he's exposed this and he's done that and this is all a secret code that he's that the, this genius masterstroke the only genius masterstroke in any of this is the divine providence it's not ratzinger so deifying ratzinger is going to break people's hearts it's gonna break their hearts i can promise you if you if you were able to get into the modern ecclesia house and get in front of him and and interrogate him he would break your heart he would tell you you're crazy get out of here i'm i'm not the pope i'm sort of the pope i'm da, da, da. he would say and do exactly the stuff that he's been doing all along um i don't know if he is still able to say mass anymore um if he does it would not surprise me one little bit if he says at the teigeter um francisco it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. People are going to have their hearts broken by this. And okay, let's, let's think forward. God forbid he dies. God forbid he dies. And there's no solution to this forthcoming. And there is no, you know, secret decoder ring um, letter that, you know, with a dead man switch that blows the lid off of all of this. Well, what that's are the biggest question. Do? That's the biggest yeah. question for, for anyone I think, who is thinking about some sort of secret code or that this was done. What this comes down to is dividing between two groups in terms of intent. So we can't, it's impossible for us to know with absolute certainty 
meaning like a mathematical formula, mm-hmm. what Benedict's intent was. The substantial error theory, okay, well, we've kind of played out what we think his intent was in terms of keeping some share of the papacy. Mm-hmm. But there's the other side of it, uh, the people behind the code, who say, no, it was an intentional act of uh, a null resignation. And he did it to actually protect the church. He had no options left to him. And this was the way, they might even say that, uh, you know, he, he was told to do this in a vision, right? And <sighs> that this is, this is the thing, hear me out, this is what would bring about the cleansing of the church. Or maybe we're in the end times, I don't know. But in practice, look at what's happened. Yeah. We would, we would never, never have had an idea of how bad, we knew things were bad, but we didn't know really how bad things were until Bergoglio came on the scene and all the poison came out of the mud, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can see that as an argument that, that, that all of this would have remained covered and you know, in, in the darkness had he not done what he did. Now we can say that that's a coincidence or we could say that was a plan. That's, that's I say it's kinda... the divine. I say it's the divine providence. Hmm. That's who I give the credit to. I give the credit to God. Um, but as you've pointed out, Mark, what what is your statistic? How many people? How many Catholics have died in the past nine years? Oh, what was it? I did that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was when I was kind of asking questions of uh, of these folks. Well, if it's true that this is all intentional, what's your end game? Because we've had a hundred million souls. Yeah, go to their eternal reward so. right. in, the, in the last nine years. And what if they were following the teachings of an anti-pope and probable for, uh, you know, forerunner of the Antichrist? Is God just like giving them all a pass and, you know, go, go past purgatory and go right to heaven, even though you were living your life uh, contrary to the commandments? Like something's got to give here. Good Shepherd Discourse says no. Um, Our Lord's words to the disciples of John the Baptist indicate no. Canon 748 indicates no, that mm-hmm. you're, that you're, everybody's culpable. You should know better. If the guy's, if the guy's worshiping demons in the Vatican, what, what, what in the world else do you need when he's denying the existence of hell, when he's de- denying the divinity of Christ, never misses an opportunity to deny the miraculous, the, the miracles, especially the, the multiplication the of the loaves. Where, and the fi- where are yeah. the cardinals? Where are the bishops? It doesn't stand to reason that a soul who, who wants to get to heaven needs to listen to bloggers because the bloggers have the truth and the entire visible realm of the church is in mm-hmm. error. It's a mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So wh- what is get to the heart of the matter and you, we've got to get it right. We've got to get it right. What happened here um, and what is the path forward, you know, contingencies we've discussed this before we don't know but we're uh, i have the utmost confidence that it's going to be absolutely fantastic something's going to happen the whole thing's going to break open and it might involve supernatural stuff too which oh i'd love to see that but it's it's going to resolve and it's going to be good but we can't just sit here 
and let people be duped and have their have their hearts broken it's a wonderful thing to love pope benedict and to and to think the best of him and to and to take this uh, an extraordinarily charitable course but remember charity proceeds out of truth truth mm -hmm. does not proceed out of charity the truth is first and the charity comes out of that so you can't be making up stories about Pope Benedict being something that he is not. He, he has problems. He's, he's been problematic. He has, and he clearly, he was not a good administrator and he was a timid man and he feared. And he told Archbishop Fillet, he pointed to the door of his office in the Apostolic Palace and he said to, he said to Bishop Fillet, my authority ends at that door. Okay, that is a huge problem. If you're the vicar of Jesus Christ on earth, you're you're a monarch. You're a you're you are the divinely instituted monarch of monarchs, and you honestly think that you can't say anything, that you can't do anything. The fact of the matter is, is he could have done all kinds of things by simply calling press conferences and and speaking on video, beamed all over the all over the planet, saying. We are not doing this anymore. We're not doing that anymore. This person is excommunicated and I'm taking his hat. This person is excommunicated and I'm taking his hat. Well, do, you said, well, they, they would have killed him. Well, then so be it. It's how many, how many of the popes have been murdered? Lots and lots and lots. Dr. Matza, that, that's you for your history course. What percentage of, the, of papacies have ended with the murder of the pope? It is a significant percentage. Why, why are we, why are we blushing and hiding from this? And where's our, again, back to the theme, where's your faith? Do the right thing and God will provide. Let, let the truth out and the truth will take care of itself. That's the, that's the wonderful and, and saying. Just, the truth is like a lion. It'll take care of itself. Right. And you've just kind of uh, enunciated the, 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 the leading argument against those who say that, well, this is all intentional, and if you just know how to read the code, you can see that that um, it was it was Benedict's intent all along. They're resting their argument on uh, a piece of canon law called the Impeded Sea. It's Canon Four One Two, and if you read it, you will see that the the, the final clause in the canon says that for it to come into effect. The, the, the bishop in question must have been completely cut off from any means of communication with his flock. Oh, come on. So uh, obviously uh, that canon is not in play. Not in play. Not and, in play. And is not the case. Now, now, there may have been repercussions. He may have been murdered. And none of that matters. None of that matters. Nope. He always had the power to communicate anything that he wanted to and to exert you know the proper jurisdiction of the of the vicar of christ absolutely absolutely yeah you know guys you know guys i i have said from the very beginning two years ago two years and two months ago when uh dr marshall first had me on his show mm -hmm. i i have maintained that in his declaratio joseph ratzinger resigned bishop of rome mm -hmm. okay of that i don't have any doubt now, when I first started out, I thought perhaps he kept Vicar of Christ, okay? 
uh, because according to what I found out when I dug into the research, uh, some theologians think it's possible to separate, for a, po for a valid pope to separate um, the primacy from the Romanitas, you know, mm -hmm. from the Diocese of Rome. Um, and, you know, there might be some breadcrumbs there. Uh, I, I pointed out that um, the day that he chose to resign, February 28th, 2013, was the 80th anniversary of the Reichstag fire decree yep. uh, in, mm -hmm. in Germany, which um, basically suspended the Constitution and allowed the Nazis to have a, basically an illegal government, so to speak, okay? But, um, so I don't want to say that that's impossible, that, you know, Benedict was trying to do something extraordinary here. However, uh, you guys are familiar, m most listeners are familiar with Occam's razor. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. The simplest explanation of things even though I don't like Occam too much. Yeah, we, we hate uh, Occam. We hate William okay. of Occam, by the way. Right. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the simplest explanation of things is usually what it is. Um, and so if you read his Declaratio, if you read, and Anne, you were there for his last general audience, right? I was right? there, yep. Um, if you read what the man says and you take him at face value, what was he doing? And, uh, you know, what was his intention? And, and, how can we possibly know his intention? Well, from his external uh, statements. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, uh, with the, the actual document, but you remember how at the end of the 19th century, Pope Leo XIII said that the Anglicans don't have valid orders? Correct. Mm -hmm. Well, in that document where he talks about that, uh, Pope Leo XIII makes a distinction between um, you know, your, your intention which nobody else has access to because it's the internal forum and your intention, which we can figure out based on the, uh, your external words. And mm -hmm. basically the, the mm -hmm. Anglicans were trying to argue that, look, it uh, doesn't Catholic teaching teach that as long as the person intends to do what the church does, then automatically the sacrament works. Right. And therefore our, our ordinations should be valid. Our bishops should be valid. And, Leo XIII responded by saying, yeah, ordinarily speaking, right, that's why Catholics accept, you know, non-Catholic baptism in a lot of cases mm -hmm. and things like that. But when you have changed the right associated with the consecration of a bishop, when you have made public statements, right, that the vicar of Christ is not the head of the church in England and mm -hmm. yada, 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 right? There, therefore, we can know what your intention is based on the external evidence, okay? And so isn't it, it true that Anglicans say that there are only two sacraments, baptism and Eucharist? I believe that's the Anglican hmm. position. So I've always been mystified hmm. by their argument that they have that they have these valid ordinations when they deny that ordination is even a sacrament. I believe it's an Anglican teaching that the, that the only two sacraments that they acknowledge are baptism and Eucharist. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, just you know, so applying that, uh, applying Pope Leo XIII's logic to mm -hmm. Benedict's de de Benedict's Declaratio and Benedict's uh, last audience of February twenty seventh, uh, two thousand thirteen, it's very clear if you just take him at face value, he is uh, uh, applying the post conciliar uh, bishop emeritus or emeritus. Mm -hmm. I've heard it both ways. Um, <laughs> uh, applying that. You know, conciliar idea 
that you can have a bishop emeritus, but he's applying it to the see of Rome. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem because what is a bishop emeritus? It's a bishop who no longer has a diocese, right? Who no longer actively runs a diocese. Well, by using that logic, what is a pope emeritus? It's a pope who no longer who has longer an active has diocese. Right. Yeah. But he's still a, he's still a pope. Yep. <laughs> and this yep. is the bifurcation of, of the papacy, which is yep. what Ganswine was going gaga over, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yep. please, um, folks out there, pray and, and use your God-given reason and just look at the, take the man at his word, right? Yeah. Don't, it, it reminds me of, um, I put this in writing once and I just can't, I keep coming back in my mind to this analogy. I was born in 76. And so when I was growing up in elementary school, there was still, and where I grew up, there was still a stigma attached to um, having your parents be divorced or, you know, a single mother, absentee fathers. And you would go to school with boys who would, their fathers were gone. Um, not around, and they would make up stories. They would say things like, my father's an astronaut, my father's a spy, my father's this, my father's that. And of course it was, it was abject nonsense, but we were just on the tail end of that cusp where, where a, a little boy, especially a little white boy in Kansas needed to provide some sort of an excuse as to why his father wasn't around. And that's what this whole this whole code thing is sucking people into. You've got people making making these things up and everything everything Pope Benedict does, has ever said, has ever written gets twisted and turned and convoluted and, and pretzel contorted in the most astounding ways into well this is proof that he meant exactly 180 degrees opposite of what the clear meaning of the words he said is i mean and it's just just stop be honest about him and his failings and the and the substantial error that he embraced almost certainly because he just he despaired and he wanted to get away he wanted to get away. He knew he was surrounded by sodomites and Freemasons, and he wanted to get away and the St. Gallen Mafia. And so he quit. I'm sorry, but you, you need to just acknowledge the same way that a little boy, in order to be psychologically healthy, needs to acknowledge that his father just ran off, okay? Don't make up stories. Don't cook things up in your mind because you're leading yourself, you're gonna fall off of a cliff when you're confronted and you will eventually have to be confronted with reality. That, just just deal with it now, just accept it now. He was in, he made a substantial error in thinking that he could do this maneuver um, and, and then and move on. It keeps everything completely intact we're not engaging in any sort of bizarre papalatry. In fact, we're giving glory to God by, by looking at this situation. And I don't know about you two gentlemen, but I still look at this situation and marvel and marvel and marvel at the workings of the divine providence to keep everything visible and out in the open and, and keep things going. It's just nobody could do, nobody could do that except God. No one could do it except God. Ratzinger couldn't do it. His Bavarian intellect, I don't think, is even 
close to big enough to being able to do all this and keep everything out in the open the way it has been. Um, but just don't delude yourself. The little boy, his father ran off. He needs to deal with it. We need to deal with the, with the honest truth about what happened. And that keeps you from doing things like going sede, because obviously the sea isn't vacant. It's occupied by him. Um, and Well, I think what you have is people looking at, it's not just the substantial error, it's, it's the, the other modernism that uh, infects Benedict um, mm-hmm. and always have maybe always has maybe less so now than than in days past but still you know he was oh certainly he evolved he moved substantially i mean he was boy back in the in the late 50s and early 60s and at Vatican II oh boy he was not he was not the same man that he was he was in there with Rahner and then he moved steadily to the right. He eventually broke with Rahner, and he was Rahner's disciple. He broke with Rahner. He saw the fallout of Vatican II. He saw the fallout of the Novus Ordo Mass, and he did acknowledge it, and he did try to do things to walk it back. But again, he was so timid in his administration, especially as Pope. I think he was more he was more aggressive when he was at the CDF. But I think when he became when he became the Holy Father, he just I don't know. I, it, it, some men just can't take the pressure like that. Some people thrive on responsibility. I'm one of those people. I thrive on responsibility. And some people, it just, it crushes them. And I think it, it crushed him to it's a certain a problem. extent. It's, yeah. it's a real problem because as much as he moved to the right, he never did stop praising Vatican II. And yeah. we know that that's a problem because yep. Vatican II is filled with errors. Yep. And even in the, in the speech that made a little bit of a splash, uh, it was February 2013, I think it was towards the end, where he, he famously said towards the end of the speech that the, what became a Vatican II was the fault of the media. Um, yes, yes. No, that's yeah. not true. I mean, that's partially true, but it wasn't the media that created Vatican II and promulgated its documents. And actually, earlier in the same speech, and actually for most of the speech, he's, he's singing the praises of Vatican II. As mm-hmm. if there's nothing, nothing at all wrong in the church today, and and it's just been a beautiful springtime. That's a well, it's, it's, it's a it's problem, like, and it's and people are looking at that. It's like what they say about socialism and communism and Marxism. Oh, it's just never been done right yet. He's he's essentially trying to make the same argument about Vatican II. It's just it's just never been done right yet. And remember, Vatican II is his baby, and this goes back to the whole notion of praying for him and he is going to appear before our Lord at his particular judgment. And he's going to have to answer for that because he was absolutely instrumental. Even though he was just a paradis, he was extraordinarily influential in Vatican II. And in a certain extent, colloquially, you could argue that Vatican II is kind of his baby. He's going to have to answer for that. And as Mark just said, and I agree, I think Vatican II is a failed council. It was convoked validly, but it was hijacked, and it's, a, it's clearly a failed council, and there have been several of them. All somebody has to come out and say is that this was clearly a failed council. We're now putting all the documents on the index. Nobody, 
we're not going to spend or waste any more of our time trying to square the circle of these documents to the rest of the magisterium because look how many people have burned their entire careers how and we're into like multiple generations now forward of this mm -hmm. people have burned their entire academic careers or their entire uh you know for for clergy and prelates, their entire careers within the church, wasting their time on Vatican II. It, the, the Vatican II shouldn't be cited. It should not be permitted. The only way Vatican II should be cited is if you were citing, look, look at this error. Look at how wrong this is, you know? I mean, and I'm thinking about going back to Peter Kwasniewski. I think Peter has written probably millions of words at this point trying to square the circle of Vatican II and all this, that, and the other, and all these documents. Look at the time that that man's brain has wasted when he could have been writing about all of the previous 2,000-year um, magisterium of the church. People could, should have been focused on Leo Thirteenth. People should have been focused on Vatican I and Trent and, and all the rest of the richness of the teaching of the church. It is now at this point, since, since Vatican II happened, there's essentially no academic, uh, uh, you know, statistically speaking, there's no academic or magisterial work being done at all on anything except Vatican II, which is a failed council and its documents should be, should be filed in the, in the round file. I mean, it's, it, and, it's uh, pretty cool. Go ahead. And Anne, before people start sending you more hate mail than you already get, um, <laughs> no less a person than Joseph Ratzinger backs you up in his oh. uh, best-selling Principles of Catholic Theology, which is mm -hmm. used at better seminaries around the world. He says, quote, not every valid council in the history of the church has been a fruitful one. Thank you. In the last analysis, many of them have been a waste of time. Wow. Nice. Dr. Matza bringing the heat, man. <laughs> they call me e they don't call me e-money for nothing. <laughs> well, Mark, um looking at the clock and also thinking that there's just no possible way that we can top that. Now. Well, I just wanted to make I just want to make one more point and then I'm looking sure, at the sure, clock sure, too sure. because it's the feast of St. Anne and I need to get to mass. Indeed. Uh, that the people understand that the council was not hijacked in its implementation. That is a that is a false notion that has been pushed for decades by uh, the people who say, "Well, you just need to know how to read the documents." No. When when in no. fact the schema were tossed. That's right. At the very first session, and the modernists and the Marxists got their agenda pushed through from the very start. The original schema, which is the, the bullet points, the plan for Vatican II, if you read those, oh my gosh, you'll just, you'll sit there and I'm, I'm telling you, you'll get tears in your eyes because when I look at those original schema and how awesome they are, you're thinking, what would the world today look like if that is what Vatican II had been instead of the hijacking and what it turned out to be? I mean, it was Mary co-redemptrix. I mean, it was a uh, denunciation of global communism. 
denunciation of global communism. That mm -hmm. was actually agenda point number one. And then agenda point number two was to bookend with Vatican I and um, the, the Immaculate Conception, bookend that with Vatican II and declare Mary co-redemptrix. Can you imagine what this world would look like if that had happened? and the Novus Ordo had never happened. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it, it makes the hair on your arm stand up to think about it. The, uh, the modernists thought that uh, the nature of man could change. If you think about all the things that were going on in the world in the middle of the 20th century, all of the technological advancements mm -hmm. and you know, just incredible leaps that mankind was taking, so to speak, you know, in the mortal realm, and yeah. they thought the nature of man was changing and the role of man was changing, and that's impossible. The new and everlasting man, that's what they called it. They, they were trying, they're trying to convince the world that we are, a, we are actually a different species, mm -hmm. almost in a certain sense, than all the humanity that lived before us, which is why nothing that happened before Vatican II, before the 20th century, essentially, um, that they argue that basically none of that even matters. It doesn't it count. It has no value. It doesn't count because that is a different species, that we are an evolved different species. How Luciferian is that? Mm. How Luciferian is that? Ugh. Doc, any last word? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure when this podcast people are going to be listening to this, uh, but just to, in case it comes out in the next day or so, uh, I am going to be. I was invited to speak for a group in Texas via Zoom. If uh, if folks want to attend that, they can. If you go to FatimaSouls.com, uh, there's a way to sign up for that because I'm going to be giving a, a preview of my upcoming article and my upcoming book. Uh, going to be digging into the consecration of Russia, and I'm going to be digging into Pope Benedict's resignation. Um, and then also, that's on Thursday, the 28th, okay. uh, in, the, in the late afternoon, early evening. And, and then on Saturday, the, the 30th, God willing, um, Tim Gordon has invited me on Rules for Retrogrades. And I think we're going to discuss the National Catholic Register article. Nice. Mm. This will be your second time on, on Gordon, is that correct? Or third? Uh, third, actually, yeah. Oh, because you did that debate with uh, Emeritus. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Excuse me, I've got to take this. <laughs> so I will get these, I will get those links up on my blog, Dr. Matza, regardless of when Thank this you. publishes. But it, this should publish within 48 hours. And today is Tuesday, so it should be up within 48 hours pretty easily. Thank you. And I would like to close with the collect from today's Mass. In okay. the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. O God, who didst vouchsafe to bestow upon Blessed Anne such grace that she was found worthy to become the mother of her who brought forth thine only begotten Son, mercifully grant that we who celebrate her festival may be helped by her intercession with thee. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. St. Anne, pray for us. St. Anne, pray Amen. for us. Feedback. Email address for the show, if you have suggestions, is podcast at barnhart.biz. Masses for Anne's benefactors, at least one Mass every day, plus one Requiem Mass every week. 
for everyone who died in the previous week. This is like two years old, so I don't know if that's still true or if there's more than that, but um, please pray for these and all priests. You can imagine, or you probably can imagine, uh, what kind of spiritual attacks they are under these days. You're probably feeling it too. Yeah. Um, Satan's forces are certainly focusing warfare upon the priests and, and everyone else with, uh, with goodwill these days. Uh, Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you got some value out of this or previous podcast and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com for more information. Uh, I was about to say, even though he's not on this recording, he is on this recording. Super Nerd, are you listening right now? Maybe not. Anyway, no. <laughs> obviously, Super Nerd keeps everything going. He uh, also is the uh, protector of uh, the websites, both Anne's and mine. And um, I've had some weird things going on lately. Um, but anyway, uh, here's Anne with the Matthew 1720 initiative. Prayer, unceasing every day, fast twice a week if you can, uh, fourfold intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision, and that Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of whatever he might need to repent of, that he die in the state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision. Our Lady of Copacabana, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. Amen. Well, until next time, I'm Mark. Stay frosty, my friends. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. Dr. Matza bringing the heat, man. <laughs>